Hey guys, this is Fiorella Nira. Welcome to the Planner and Training Podcast. Hey guys, in case you didn't know, Planner and Training is more than just a podcast now. Plannerandtraining.com is a place where you can go find freebies, templates, and courses for your wedding and event business. After today's episode, make sure you jump over there and take a look at all the things that we have just for you. Now, let's get on with today's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Planner and Training Podcast. My name is Fiorella Nira. I am a wedding and event planner located in Wisconsin of all the states in the U.S., and I am here with one of my favorite speakers that I got the, I had the pleasure to meet at the Wedding MBA last year. He is none other than Bron Hansborough. Bron, I hope I said your name right, but if you guys don't know him, he is an award-winning floral and event designer, and he is amazing. Bron, how are you doing today? I am wonderful, and I'm so excited to be a part of this podcast today and, and you know have a chance to chat with your listeners. It's such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, so sure. As many pla- we ha- so our our podcast we have planners, florists, designers. We we have a, a big um, mix of listeners. However, most of our listeners are planners, and some of them either try to do floral or we're looking for business tips. And you you have created this huge wedding business in the floral market, and I want to know a little bit about that. Tell us about you and your business. Well, I'm glad you asked. And I love to share my story because I feel like many of us as wedding and event professionals have similar stories. And so the more we all share our story, the more we can see ourselves in each other. So I have a background in actually in, as an educator. So I was a teacher and then an administrator in the public school systems for several years. And then I realized that I was experiencing some burnout. And I realized also that it was important that I put self-preservation first. And I really started to commit to creating the conditions for me to live a sustainable and nurturing, just a life that would just pour into me and, and give me what I needed versus me just pouring all of that, what I had out. And so I settled on a floral and event design company. And prior to leaving my full-time job, I started the Flower Guy Braun on a whim. Um, I was gifted some workshops at our local botanical garden. And from there, the Flower Guy Braun was born. And we started off in my mother's kitchen, destroying her floors and her countertops. <laughs> then, right, I know it's such a thing. She, she'll never let me live it down. Um, and then we graduated into our first space. And now I'm proud to say that we have just relocated and moved into a brand new renovated space in an up-and-coming neighborhood here in Richmond, Virginia. And so just a little bit about the Flower Guy Braun. And so we specialize in bespoke wedding and event experiences. I tell everyone we don't sell flowers, we sell experiences. And for me, that means that we have an intuitive level of service that crosses all types of different design bridges where we don't just focus on flowers, we focus on the total event look. So we do drapery, we do lighting, we do custom wrap floors and rentals, um, all not in-house, but we have a very great support system of creative partners who help us bring our clients' vision to life. 
That's amazing. And so you started when? How long has it taken you to make this this business baby become a full functioning business? Yeah, good question. So we have been in business for a little over five years, um, closer to six years now, and I have been full time for almost three full years. Um, prior to that, again, I was dual purposing, working for the school system and working for myself. And it just came to a point where I said, you know, the business was prospering and flourishing, but I came to a crossroads and I realized that unless I was giving the flower guy Braun my full undivided attention, it would never grow to the place where it is now. And since making that leap, I have grown my business time over time. So it's been the best move ever. Amazing. I love I love the story. And there there is something about educators transitioning into the wedding industry. Totally. And I think it's because they already know how to deal with all these different personalities. You guys are organized. You know how to public speak. You know, you just know how to get things done as well. And I think that's why educators also thrive in our industry. I would have to agree. The more I go across the country speaking to different groups, I, I've started to always ask the question, how many educators do we have in the room or former educators? And I have yet to be in a room where multiple hands didn't raise. And I think you're onto something. I think that we do have a natural ability to be able to navigate spaces, emotional spaces with people um, that give us a leading edge in the industry. So I think your observation is correct. I, yeah, I just, I've been noticing that more and more. And so even now I'm going to my teeth, my local teachers and I'm like, Hey, look, do you have anybody that is looking for a part-time job? Absolutely. <laughs> and then I explain why. And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. We would be great for that. Uh, so yeah. So today we're going to be talking about leveraging yourself to become referral worthy. Yes. And this is something that I, I watched you um, make a presentation on and I think it would bring so much um, value to not just wedding planners but basically any any business overall Absolutely. and I want to just touch um, on the forefront of this and what what do you mean by leveraging yourself to be referral worthy Absolutely. So one of the things that I had to do um, when I really decided to get serious about my business was that I had to really do some deep analysis of myself. And I'll start just about any presentation that you'll hear me give, really encouraging the people in the audience to stop for a second and really dig deep into their spirit, um, into their soul, into the whys of what they do. And once you start asking yourself those questions and giving yourself some real honest answers, it will really help you identify exactly who you are, what you are, and why you do what you do. And once you've acknowledged these these factors about yourself, you're way more equipped to navigate this space of business ownership and this space of weddings and events. And so in order for you to be able to leverage yourself to be competitive in a very um, congested market, you, you really, really have to dial it back and just understand who you are to leverage yourself and have the value that you'd like to have. And so what I had to do is exactly that. I had to dial back and figure out, Braun, you know, what is your give? You know, what, what are people coming to you for specifically? And then once they're there, how are they going to leave you different? And that's very important for me. And while I'm navigating my clients through my experiences, I'm thinking about these factors all throughout 
the, my, their time with me. And so it allows me the, to have the confidence to know that what I'm offering to my clients that walk through the door is much different than what they would get any other place. So in order to be able to leverage your value and to push your worth in a very congested market um, where everything may seem the same, you really have to know exactly who you are. And when you found who you were, how did you break that down to um, receiving referrals? Absolutely. So the first thing I had to do was acknowledge the fact that every client was not for me and that I had a very distinct look. So in my market is saturated with light and airy photography of a lot of greenery and a lot of, you know, neutral color palettes, which is very, very beautiful. However, I have always gravitated more to a ballroom style of design. And so once I was very comfortable with the fact that, okay, everyone's not doing what I'm doing and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Then I was able to create the imagery that supported what my what my give is to the industry, which is a ballroom style of design, which makes me able to market that style specifically to planners who have clients who want that style or to venues where my decor naturally fits or to photographers who are looking to increase their portfolios and have more ballroom presence. So once I dialed it back, figured out who I was, what my give was and what people's takeaways were going to be, I was able to then market specific to those who would benefit directly from my services. And do you have some examples of how you started to, I guess, prompt other businesses to refer to you? Absolutely. So what I had to do is I had to figure out, okay, Every bride that meets with me, every couple that meets with me, every groom, whatever the makeup of the relationship is, when they come to me, it's safe to assume that they're going to be many different places. They're going to be with a photographer at some point. They're going to be with a caterer. They're going to be with a venue. They're going to be with a planner. They're going to be at all of these different places. And so it's important that I have very solid relationships with these vendors so that when clients go to them, I become an automatic referral base. And so the way I've kind of built these relationships is pretty strategically. So I've actually gone and identified people that I felt like were influencers in my market. And I reached out to them directly with a cold email, you know, admiring their work and requesting an opportunity to sit down with them privately, either in my space or out for coffee or even out for an afternoon happy hour cocktail, just to sit down and learn about their business and have the opportunity to share my business, my process and my principles with them. Once we did that and we established some rapport, then maybe we took it to the next step and we considered doing um, a style shoot together or working on a special project that will give them the opportunity to see how I process, how I deliver, how I think and how I work collaboratively as a team member. And once we've done those things and really forged a decent rapport, then I become a natural source of referrals to all of those different vendors. So those are the different examples of how I've built the relationships and then now how the relationship then creates the referral naturally. Wow. And so I remember you back in, in last October, which I can't believe 
wedding mba is coming up soon i'm it's so coming excited up. Can you believe it? it'll be here before you know it oh my god i look forward to it every year Me too. <laughs> anyway so what you were saying at at your um presentation was that you also created a handout for all of your um all of the people that you work with that would refer to you is that something yeah. that you did as well that would absolutely. be considered as a referral well, Absolutely. So what we did is we created almost like a one sheet um, that kind of gave a little bit of background about myself and it talked about the different services that we offer so that they can have a quick reference form or reference opportunity when referring so that they didn't have to, you know, send me an email and say, hey, Bron, I have a bride. They can literally sell my services for me in their consultation. And when clients are sitting with you and you have, you know, some type of, of reference or some information that they can share with a client right there on the spot, it eliminates the work that the client would have to go through to do the, do the research and figure out who you are. So we did create um, a pamphlet style handout where people can um, give to their clients or their potential clients and refer us. And it just cuts out the middleman. It makes my presentation more um, professional and then it also equips other people to easily refer me to their clients and I, I really like that tip as well could so it sounds like most of your clients come from a from referrals is that a true statement yeah so I would say a little over half of my clients come from from referrals and that's actually a, a great thing from a business perspective so for all of you new listeners new planners out there who are looking to develop their businesses keep in mind that marketing through Facebook Instagram wedding wire the not however you choose to market your business keep in mind that the strongest source of referral is word of mouth. Um, that is the type of referral that um, transcends all others because it is someone else that you have impacted and interacted with vouching for the quality of your service. And people tend to take that way more seriously and it'll impact their ultimate decisions much more than them sitting down and meeting you for the first time because then they already feel a level of comfort with your work and your in your presentation so yes absolutely over half of our clients are referred um, through planners through venues through photographers and other um, wedding and event professionals now the other half are finding us on social media and directly through our website but overwhelmingly Yes, we are getting our referrals through word of mouth. Do you think your your vendors who refer to you who refer you in any way? Do I? Can you repeat the do question? Do you thank them? Do you thank them in any oh, way? Oh, I'm sorry. Do I thank them? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I pride myself on is being an excellent relationship builder, but also being very good at maintaining relationships. You can make a quick relationship all you want, but what's the health of that relationship while people are with you? So for me, um, not only is it an email immediately after someone has made contact and I always ask, well, how did you hear from us, hear about us, our services? And when they tell me who referred them instantly is either a text or an email just to thank people, you know, and I always say, you know, kindness is not something that I am owed, but it is definitely something that I appreciate. And when people choose to be kind, you know, I'm always very, very humbled by that action. So I always thank them um, with a text or an email, but then 
every now and then I might find it, um, you know, appropriate to send them some type of gift, um, not cash um, and, you know, nothing that, that looks like a kickback. But there are so many awesome services in most small cities or large cities. And in Richmond, there's a great service that offers customized gift boxes. And the unboxing experience is is just like none other. So I have gifted planners and venue um, representatives, um, you know, a, a custom gift box occasionally to thank them for investing in my business. And that's, that's exactly what they're doing. They've seen something special and they are, you know, sharing the, the opportunity for me to, to, to continue to support their clients. And I'm, I'm always grateful. So yes, we, we definitely always want to stay, um, gracious and thankful for the leads that people send us. That's a great idea to send, you know, the occasional gift here and there, but also to follow up and just say right away, thank you. Absolutely. And this year, um, we're actually going to host a, um, an appreciation event, um, further into the winter season, um, where we're going to invite all of our collaborative partners, all of our, you know, support staff, our, our vendors that work with us and, um, even a couple of our favorite clients. We're going to invite them into the studio for a small cocktail party just to thank people for their support and their trust. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I've learned working in this event space is that, you know, we we are, are helping people navigate what they consider the most important day of their life, which we all know, but we also know on the flip side for us, it's just another day in the park. So, but by them trusting us with that special moment, you know, it says a lot. So I always want to circle back and keep some level of engagement. And for all of our new planners out there, engagement is so super important. It's not about getting the wedding immediately and booking it and being done. It's about now that they're married, what is the next celebration? Are, is someone's parents going to retire in a couple of years? Is there going to be a, a baby shower coming up? Is there mm-hmm. a housewarming? Any life celebration that you can be a part of, you really want to establish legacy relationships. That's a very good point. Very Thanks. good point. What about referrals that come from a client? So oh, those are about- even better. Yeah. yeah, those are even better. I am right now fortunate enough to be working with a client um, who I did her her oldest daughter's wedding a couple of seasons ago, and the the wedding was totally over the top, and they really trusted me with their vision, and we over delivered, and they were just head over heels. And now um, that same client's second daughter is preparing to walk down the aisle and they reached out to me immediately before they reached out to any other vendor. Because again, they have already experienced the work and they're just looking forward to creating another experience for their next child. But this tends to happen um, with me quite a bit. Um, we do work really hard at exhausting every touch point with our clients to make sure that we understand their vision and that we're able to even offer some surprise element on the day of their event that takes the experience to the next level. And so anytime someone comes back to us or someone is referring a friend to us that has worked with us, I mean, it, it, it almost gives me, makes me cry because it just totally speaks to um, the work that we've done, our work ethic and the actual design. And, and it just it just warms my heart when people when people refer their friends and family members to us. It, it is, doesn't it? It's, a, it's a bet, almost a better way to say thank you. Oh, my gosh. Tell me about it. Put your referrals where your mouth is. 
<laughs> love that. I love yeah. that. Any other tips that you have in re in regards to creating a good referral system? A good referral system, yes. So I'm full of tips. Let's see. So we've kind of already talked about, well, well better yet, you know what? Let's go back. And I really want to talk yeah. about those strategic um, informational interviews. And I also want to touch a little bit on networking. And if you're not a big at networking, how to create your own spaces to um, in increase your territory or your network. So the first thing is that informational interview. And I want those listening to really write that down or really commit it to memory. Um, we really want you to be out there meeting people intentionally with the purpose of how can we mutually benefit each other through this relationship. So like I was mentioning earlier, I reach out to people who I feel like I want to work with more. You know, the people that you already have solid relationships with, not much need to exhaust those those relationships. But for those new relationships that you don't quite have yet, I want you to shoot out an email or send a message on Instagram, you know, actually engaging the person and then request an opportunity to sit down with them so that you can understand how they navigate their clients because then you might realize that what you thought based on the imagery that they put out might not really align with your business principles and how you work with your clients. So it's important for you to really understand how are they working with their clients and then figure out how you can pair and partner and create similar experiences so that the transition from vendor to vendor for the client is are smooth. So those strategic business introductions are super important. And then once you've done that, perhaps, you know, in your local market, there are um, networking opportunities through professional organizations, but maybe you're a little intimidated by walking into a room of people that you don't know. That's, that's understandable. It's okay. So maybe what you do is in your own way, in your own space, invite people who may not know each other out for, for a happy hour. Maybe it's just three or four people that you don't know that may not know each other. And then you can have a mini networking event, but it's intentional. It's not just going out to, you know, whatever the most popular networking group is and just kind of hanging out with the people that you know. We have to be more intentional as business owners. So those are a few of the other things that we'd like to really stress that your listeners can, can implement automatically and and start to see a return on that investment. You think about, you know, a couple of six dollar happy hour cocktails, you know, versus, you know, spending tens of thousands of dollars on on research on mm -hmm. I'm sorry, on networking or or um, advertising and marketing when you can just spend, you know, fifty dollars on cocktails for four or five people and and have people who are going to send you direct referrals that are going to almost always turn into sale conversions. So that, that those are some of my biggest takeaways. And then I can't help but stress how important it is for you to know exactly what your business is supposed to be here to do. I know a lot of times it's easy to get caught up in what other people are doing in your market. And it's important to keep your finger on the pulse. Don't get me wrong. But what's more important is that you stay in your own head, working on and in your own business and making sure that every decision that you make is strategic, is research based, and it's going to have a proven positive outcome. And then, then, then you can really start to again, leverage your business in a crowded market um, and really stand out out as the lead creative in your market. That's such a good point. I, I don't have much more to add to that because I feel like you just hit all the points there. 
Well, we try to be thorough at the flower got bronze, so I'm glad that, <laughs> that was a thorough response. Good. Love it. Love it. <clears throat> so uh, aside from those kinds of referrals and really starting, you know, like you said, you can really hit the ground running without doing any advertising, but just doing face-to-face and intentional interviews. Is there anything else in regards to getting referrals that you, you think it's like a really good tip as well? Even though you so, just dropped the solid bomb yeah, on us. Absolutely. So what I would say is know your worth and stand by your work. So, and that does come with time. A lot of times when we're starting our businesses, we have no clue. We don't have a mentor. We don't have any real, you know, um, things to compare what we're doing to other people. But as your business develops and you start to get a real understanding of where you stand and the quality of your work and the impact that it has on people, you start to kind of develop, I wouldn't call it a chip on your shoulder, but it becomes a sense of pride and understanding about what it is that you do. And when people can sense that you know that your your work is worth what you're charging, and when people feel confident that you can deliver exactly what it is that you said and set out to do, then people will believe in your business and in your work. And so one of the things that I have done is that I stand beside our work. I speak positively about my work in spaces. I choose not to be the humble bumblebee that says, oh, well, thank you. Oh, well, you know, we try. No, we have committed to a life of excellence and our work shows that. And it's okay as business owners to be confident in what it is that you have been given to do. So as you kind of navigate these spaces and, you know, you kind of have that that head hung down and you're just trying to see through the weeds uh, and the different rough patches, have confidence in yourself, have confidence in your craft, and people will see it and people will want to be a part of that energy. So just be mindful of your energy, put out good vibes, be confident in what you're doing, and get the job done. I Okay, so remember when I said that we're going to stop every once in a while and chat about something when it really Let's do it. Okay. I love what you just chat. said what you just said is so important because this is actually something that every once in a while I used to struggle with and then every once in a while it comes back. And yeah. that is when somebody sees you make a huge installation or a giant flower order or something that just blows people out of the water and they say, you know, wow, what a great job. How and and how important it is how you respond to that, right? Like, a, yeah. uh, like you're surprised yourself, or you know, you you're like, well, I kind of pulled that out of my ass, um, yeah. or you know, like, so let me say what something. is the proper is, or what do you recommend people? How do yeah. you? How so this you is yourself? this is going to be a bit controversial. Okay, but I want your listeners to to understand that I speak from my heart. And at no point do I ever wish to offend anyone or come off, you know, as as an arrogant snob. But what what I have learned is that the first person that needs to compliment you and your work is you. And I work in a very saturated market where the, the value of what I do was not valued at all when I started doing it. 
And I had to fist pump and champion my team and myself for several years before anyone took notice or decided that our work was valuable enough and that my contribution to my market was substantial enough to, to deserve the, the praise and adoration from my fellow peers here in my city. So I had to create an environment that supported and celebrated what I did. And that all goes back to the confidence and to really believing that what you're here to do, you're doing. And then once the compliments started to come, honestly, at first I was a little bit off putting annoyed because I felt like, you know, we've been doing this work consistently at a level of quality for some time now. So what shifted? Have we proven ourselves to you finally? Well, honestly, I don't require that anymore. I'm always appreciative and I'm gracious and I, I appreciate when people comment positively about our work. <clears throat> Excuse me. But Honestly, I, I don't live off of that praise anymore. I, I thank them and I'm very appreciative, but I have to always circle back to the first person who needs to be cheerleading and championing for your work and for your business is you. So again, I, I thank people for their compliments and I'm very, very appreciative, but I've also learned that before anyone else's compliments can matter, yours has to matter first. Wow. That's amazing. That, that, that's It's I mean, it's so true. Um, and I guess, like, I don't know if you've ever heard Gary V. Do you know who Gary V is? Yes. Okay. So he says the same thing. He, he constantly says how he will read some of his negative comments just to see if there are places where he can improve. And then he will read some of his positive comments just to see what people are liking that he's doing. But by no means do either of those have any um, emotional or and sometimes business effects on him because he's he's doing his thing, how he does it, how he wants to run his business. Absolutely. that's where it ends and that's where it starts. You know, that's it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, as as a speaker, we actually get report cards. Don't think we're just getting up there <laughs> and people aren't giving us feedback. And so for me, it's so important, you know, to see both sides of the feedback. You want to have people in your corner who are going to who are going to always have that that parental and nurturing feedback where they always love you and they're always supporting you. But then you also need to have those honest um, opportunities to receive, you know, feedback. And so, you know, I, you know, I know exactly what it is and the connection that I want to make with people when I'm speaking. And I always hope that you know, I can touch one person through my work. Um, so when I get the feedback, I have to always kind of, you know, sift through it and figure out exactly, you know, what feedback is, is, you know, something that I can, you know, really grow from, from, or is it someone just kind of being petty that day? And you'll get a mix of all of it. And then you have to kind of figure out, okay, if everyone is saying, Hey, Braun, your font was a little hard to read, or Hey, Braun, you know, your intro video seemed a little bit self-serving, even though that's not at all the place it was coming from, I have to kind of take a look back and say, okay, well, there's some validity to this. Many people have said it. It is what it is. It might not have been your intent, but you can't control how people um, receive what you put out. So you can only kind of just take the feedback and move from it. But, you know, good feedback is great. You know, not so good, you know, corrective criticism is good. And you just take it and strive. But again, you have to stay focused and know still 
Granted, I got this feedback, but this is the mission that I'm on. If it was misinterpreted, that was one person out of 100. And we have to continue to stay focused and keep the drive and move forward. I agree. It's it's not letting it letting you um, letting it make you crumble. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I kind of I'm kind of a. A, a difficult person in some regards where I refuse to let people see me crack. And in this event space, you know, it's full of emotion and it's, you know, when you're designing from your heart and from your spirit and you're trying to, you know, connect with people's spirit animals through flowers, mm-hmm. you know, it does become a personal thing. And when someone doesn't respond the way you'd like them to respond to your piece of work, you know, you kind of just have to swallow your pride and realize that the customer's always right, you know, in that particular space and and move forward, move on and, and just keep it going. You know, the personal things, you know, as long as we can keep things business, you know, we'll, we'll, it will always be better. But we're human at the end of the day. But we just can't let the personal stuff um, exude into the relationships with the clients. We are human and we're also in a creative industry yep. and creative is meant to be judged. Absolutely. And sometimes that's hard. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, it's art and it's up for interpretation. Some people, you know, see, you know, a perfectly sculpted topiary and say, oh, it's just a big ball of flowers, you know, because they like light and airy and, you know, no foam. And, you know, we kind of we kind of play on both sides of the fences. You know, I can design ballroom style with the best of them because that's my preferred um, style. But then you give me chicken wire and, and tape and I can tape up a vase and, and go go to town with no foam as well. So, you know, you just kind of take it with a grain of salt, but you always stay open to the criticism because, you know, you never want to get into a space where you feel like nothing you do, you know, c- can be touched. You know, you always want to stay humble. You want to stay, um, you know, mindful that, you know, what you think is is spectacular someone else might not and that's okay that's why there are several other people in the spaces that do exactly what we do you know you someone will connect with someone and you only want to connect with the people who are meant for you i completely agree so we've we've talked about getting um solid referrals and how to a little bit of how to um maintain and start new relationships and we've talked about being proud of our work and and truly carrying ourselves with confidence because after all we put a lot of hours and thought into our designs into our productions and so do our teams but there's also something that you wanted to discuss which is making your services to be universally accessible without sacrificing your craft um yeah. can you tell me a little bit of what that means and then we can get into it yeah, sure. So this is a little bit of a paradigm shift from the current conversation, which I welcome because this is one of the messages that I feel a lot of entrepreneurs in various um, creative spaces, corporate spaces, it's just a universal message. Um, and so one of the things that we've done to make ourselves universally accessible is to really look at our business and figure out how can we serve as many people as possible because I believe that every every couple deserves you know the, uh, the highest quality that their money can buy mm-hmm. how do you serve as many people as possible while still maintaining a luxury moniker and so I have decided that the way that the flower guy Braun would navigate this really sensitive and controversial space in our industry <laughs> is to maintain two very separate brands and so what we've done is we have the flower guy Braun which is a 
full bespoke service where we offer a full customized experience for our clients. And that does typically have, you know, a price point um, starting average. And then we also have services that we offer through a subsidiary company called Pastel Posies by the Flower Guy Braun. And what that offers are set collections based on what we've noticed our clients are looking for the most. What is the industry? What is trending in our industry? What what things are people asking for the most? And so we've created these collections to be able to serve clients all for under $2,000 for weddings, ideally around 100 guests. So we'll come with you know a bridal bouquet, four bridesmaids bouquets, five or six boutonnieres, 10 centerpieces, and then other items are offered a la carte. So we've diversified our services in a way that we're serving two totally different price points with two totally different sets of expectations and not leaving any money on the table. So we've diversified and really have you know developed a whole new stream of income that we would not have had previously. And just a quick way, because I know that a lot of people are like, well, you know, Bron, I've been working too long and, you know, I'm really trying to move to a more luxury space. And, you know, how can I, you know, work with the higher price points and still also be working at the lower price points? I'd rather work, you know, fewer weddings and, you know, make make the same or more money than working. You know, I get the argument. I totally understand. And I felt the same way when I started. But it's super important as you think about how to, you know, kind of diversify your services and and really tend to a large cross section of customers, I had to realize that I couldn't have my hand in everything. So although I'm the lead designer, I'm the chief creative or whatever other title I decide to have, whatever day it is, <laughs> I realized that they're right. You know, some days I'm the creative director, art director, owner, and then, you know, some days I just want to hide under a rock. But on <laughs> Right. Okay. But then I realized it's like, okay, outside of all of that, there's still, you know, work that has to be done and I don't have to be the person to do it. I don't have to be the person to receive those pastel posy orders because those weddings can be designed in two or three hours by one person. So it doesn't have to be me, be me to be the person to do it all because my hourly rate, if I broke it down, would be several hundred dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. So does it make sense for me to be making a boutonniere for a $2,000 wedding? Probably not. That's not a great use of time. So when you think about how you can diversify your business, be universally, um, you know, and universally serve people, think about about your team and how you can divvy up some of these tasks um, and and have you know a lower cost um, person or lower cost hands doing the work and that way you can serve people and you're not leaving money on the table so that's pretty much in a like a brief synopsis of like the business model and how we've worked it to create another stream of income and making sure that everyone is seen and 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 I'm gonna go holistic on you real quickly again Do like. It. like the space I operate in mm-hmm. is, you know, I was reading a quote um, from Oprah in an interview and some some random magazine. It wasn't owned. It wasn't her magazine or even one that I'd ever seen before. And it was left in the back seat pocket of a flight I was on. I picked up the magazine and Oprah was on the cover. She's one of my favorite people. And I'm reading through and the lines just jumped out at me about how important it is for people to actually feel seen. Not seen with your eyes, but felt, 
and experience. So when you think about our industry, you have everyone aiming and gunning for this luxury space that many of us may not ever get to, or maybe we'll get to it, but it will always be relative to our market and where we live and what that market can command. Because I mm-hmm. look at things that people I admire in New York and in Houston and in Miami and Chicago and LA, I look at the work that they're doing all the time. And I'm just like, wow, like when is Richmond going to get there? Is that ever going to happen? Maybe it won't, but that's okay. You know, we're looking at other people and what they're doing and and it's valuable. But what about the person who's in Nebraska or Wyoming or in rural Virginia even? What about those wedding professionals who have great services to offer but might not ever serve a client that has a seven-figure budget? How, how does that, 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 that average budget or low-budget client, how do they feel when they compare themselves? Because you better believe that they're comparing their wants and needs to what they see in the magazine. When does that bride, that couple, that groom when do they get a chance to feel valued and seen? So Oprah mentioned, you know, the impact that people feeling and and being seen has on them and it's transformative. And so I have decided that although, you know, we do serve very um, high priced um, weddings and events and clients with large budgets, it's important that clients who don't have those significant investments are seen and feel valued by my business and what we have to offer them. So that, that, that's that in a nutshell. And going back to referrals too, I will tell you that some of my smallest weddings were some of the loudest cheerleaders that we've had. Absolutely. Um, because they know that, you know, we've done our, we've put in so much time and as much time as we could for their size of wedding. Um, Absolutely. To to make it truly the best that they can have. Tell and me about it. We've had like, we've had you know really big weddings turn out from smaller clients because they'll either say, "Oh, I couldn't afford it," but I know she does this, this, and that, or you know, like we could only afford this, but she's going to be perfect if you're going to be doing this giant of a wedding. So I think. Absolutely. I don't think that is a bad idea and I, you're not the only one doing it, doing, having a luxury brand and having a more mainstream brand that is accessible to all because in the end, everybody wants a beautiful wedding. Um, and everyone deserves it. And, yes. and we all have more capacity than we like to think. Everyone thinks that, you know, I'm exhausting my resources. I'm totally spent. I, I'm burned out. I have nothing else to give. And for everyone that might feel that way, I want to leave you all with, if you don't take anything else away, take away the messages that you have in you everything that you need to deal with any situation that you encounter. So for those of you who say, oh, I can't, I can't take on, I can't do that. That's not what I do. Oh, you can do it. You're choosing not to. You might not see the value, but everything you need, you have. And so Mm -hmm. I just encourage everyone just to take a step back and reevaluate why it is what, why it is that you do what you do. You know, what is your why? And once you identify that why, I my why is I went into this event space to be able to create the most sacred moments for people. Mm 
And those moments are not limited to 15, 20, 30, 40, $50,000 price points. Those moments can happen at any price point and even without flowers. So Mm -hmm. I had to acknowledge, okay, Braun, you're not in this for the name value of the venue you're working at. You're not in this because of the anticipated price point of a particular wedding. You're in this because you're in it here to serve people and help create sacred moments. And 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 with that said, then why could I not take a $2,000? Why can my business not take a $2,000 floor budget? I don't have to touch it. Why not? It's a sacred moment. We're creating it. My brand is representing it. And we're diversifying and able to reach people that we would never be able to reach and people that have never felt seen before, especially in the wedding and event space. Isn't that something? Not yes, being I think able so. Being able to feel seen. Yeah, it's it's a really special thing. You know, I was just walking down the street the other day, and this is not wedding related. And there was a gentleman sitting because in our new studio, we're in a transitioning neighborhood. But um, you know, as we're here and we're making our mark, it's important that when I'm walking down the street, even the most downtrodden person, and maybe you can make a correlation between you know the budget of a bride being particularly low and this downtrodden individual sitting on the curb. You know, everyone deserves to be seen. And so when I walk past that gentleman, I spoke to him and I never in a million years would have thought that he had anything to give me because of the plight that he's clearly in. But he he was able to even encourage me by saying, you know what, have a good day and, and hang in there. And that's similar to what you told me about the clients with the smaller budgets, how grateful they are and how appreciative they are. You don't think they have anything to give because they don't have a large budget, but the values there, they're human. They see themselves in you and you have to see yourself in them. Mm -hmm. That's a true statement. Everybody's human. And I mean, everybody's got their love stories. And I, I, I completely agree with you that, that sometimes we get caught up. Well, well, they're, they can't do our, $10,000 minimum, or they can't do our this minimum. But maybe if you don't service them, maybe you can send them to the right person. Or like Braun, have a second brand that can more than happy take that client and make it the best day ever. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Experience, I think it's experience is another thing that is going to make a big comeback, I think in the in this year and next coming year especially with the next generation being so interested in storytelling and i think this is the the right way to not only be a good person <laughs> but yeah. but also continue to grow your business yep yeah, absolutely bron you have been a giant joy to be here and to chat with I can't wait to see you again at the Wedding MBA. Can yeah, you- I can't wait either. And I have to thank you for inviting me to share with your audience. Um, it was a pleasure meeting you last year. And then you have two opportunities. We'll be um, on the floral track, of course, but then we'll also be on the general track speaking to everyone else this year. So we'll have two opportunities to talk. Beautiful, beautiful. I love it. Um, now, I want to know how can people reach you? Where can they find you? Yes, absolutely. So everything is going to be the flower guy brawn, whether it's Pinterest, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Facebook, um, 
every social media avenue that, that we all frequent, the Flower Guy Braun. Our Instagram is probably one of my most favorite spaces to share um, what we have going on. We have a series of workshops that we do, um, wine and, and floral workshops. We do um, one-on-one workshops if you're looking to improve or increase your craft with flowers and design, and we offer those. Um, but if you send me an email directly through our website, theflowerguybraun.com, we can um, um, have exhaust any of those conversations and kind of feel, figure out how we can be a good fit to you. Um, and then also, if you'd like to join us in our motivational community on Facebook, it's um, the Village of Motivational Community for Wedding and Event Professionals, where we encourage each other from all different walks of the event um, space. So please join. It's the Village, a motivational community for event professionals. You can introduce yourself there to the group and hopefully grow your network as we kind of grow together to serve all of our clients. Beautiful. I'm going to go and join that right after our call. Please do. And thank you once again. And I will talk to you soon. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure and thank you for having me. Cheers. Cheers.